And I remember as the shortest guy in the group, always loving Wolverine. Because in the comics and in the cartoons, he's a 5'3", kind of like angry little Canadian guy. Nando has managed to figure out the difficult task of differentiating in the tremendously competitive movie video essay genre. How did a lifetime of comic book fascination turn into a successful YouTube format? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. When you introduce yourself to strangers and they ask you what you do for a living, what's your go-to answer at this point in your life? Oh, that's so tough. So it depends on the stranger. If I am at the worst worst case scenario, I'm at a wedding or something with like a significant other. So I'm like, I don't know any of the family members. Mm-hmm. And there's some older ones. They ask, so what do you do? And then I that time I'll say, sometimes I'll start with I'm a video editor. And then I'll say, and I have a, and I run a YouTube channel and that's a whole thing and try to move away from it as far as quickly as possible. Unless I feel like they're like, they get it. And I'll be able to explain it to them in terms of like what my videos are. Cause then a lot of the other time it's like, well, what are your videos about? And I'm like, it's about Spider-Man. Do you know what Spider-Man's up to now? No, probably it's going to be tough or Star Wars or whatever. If I meet someone that I think kind of knows what YouTube is or like kind of knows I don't know, it just seems kind of savvy. I'll usually say I'm a YouTuber and I say I just make videos about movies. And that's usually enough for people these days. But yeah, there's there's a certain group of people who I start with. And I always used to start with video editor and go from there. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, where, where were you born? So I'm from Northeast New Jersey. Okay. So there's like... New Jersey is a weird state for people that don't know too much about it because you've got the Jersey Shore, which is a lot of the state, and it's a lot of what people see in the state. <laughs> and then there's like this very suburban residential, like right across the bridge from New York, kind of New Jersey, where a lot of people that work in New York City or up north over the border go. I'm trying to think of what the most famous thing, you know what, for to be honest, I, I lived in a town for a while that is. Have you watched the? Are you, are you familiar with WandaVision? I watched the whole thing as it came out. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So in canonically, there is no Westview, New Jersey. Right. Yeah, that was in New Jersey. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it was in New Jersey, and I remember watching the second episode because I knew in the comics they were from Lodi, which is very close to where I grew up, which is nothing like that that town because this town is like in Central Jersey. I remember watching the second episode and in the library, you can see a New Jersey state flag. And then I kind of looked into it. There's a Westfield, New Jersey, which is not the same thing. But the city that I did grow up in, Ridgefield Park, does have an area of the town that's technically called like Commonwealth of Westview or something like that. Mm. So as far as the reality of the world in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned, I lived in the town that Wanda took over for, you know, an an unspecific amount of time. (laughs) And uh, I was probably not doing anything super important. Or maybe I was Quicksilver, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. That's a a hell of a description to give people. Right? Like it's it's not a very interesting town otherwise. They have a Dunkin' Donuts. Like it's a it's a fine town. I think the other thing that they're famous for, like if you want to get famous, is like the first Fourth of July parade in in the country. But now it's that's how I kind of explain to people. It's a little bit like that town, but yeah, might as well be the fictional town of Westview. 
Marvelous. Okay, so have you always lived there? Yeah, so I grew up in that area. I kind of bounced around a couple of different towns, but I feel like my roots were always in Bergen County, New Jersey. It's got everything in terms of like, it has pretty solid amount of diversity of like, you know, incomes, you know, racially and all that. It's not super homogenous. And there's just a lot to do because it's so close to New York and it's still suburban enough that there's like humongous malls everywhere. I was never a big shore guy, never got that part in New Jersey, but like this Northeastern part, I always tell people like, you can get pretty much anything you want. If you want to like ride horses, there's areas for that. Like you could do that there. And then there's also like amusement parks that aren't too far away. So you've got a good, like New Jersey's a very solid like microcosm of the US. And yeah, I lived in the part that is right across the bridge from New York City. Yeah. And I went to college around that area too. So I was always like in that in that area. I'm in Philly now, but up until a couple of years ago, I've always been within about, you know, 10 miles of where I grew up. So I was going to ask just how early in your life were you interested in just comic book heroes in general? But now mm. that you mentioned that you lived in the area that was close to New York, I have what I think is a more interesting question, okay. which is, did that affect your relationship with the interest of superhero stories? And I ask this because for those of us who live far or have always lived far away from the U.S., the city of New York is like Atlantis in the sense that it's a place that you think about it almost fictionally because it's the place where all the superheroes are. And mm -hmm. a lot of people can attest to this. The first time I visited New York... I was like, start eye, like, oh God, it's, it's real. It's a real place. And it <laughs> looks like all the superhero movies. So given that New York tends to be like the center of the world for superhero stories, did that ever affect your sort of relationship with the material? It must have, right? Because there's, back when I was, like, I was growing up when, like, I was probably, I guess, like, 11 or 12 when the Spider-Man movie, for, like, Tobey Maguire first one of those came out and that was like right after 9-11. So it was like 2002, I guess. And I want to say the first X-Men movie came out in 2000 and both of those took place in New York City. And it's easy to forget because Spider-Man is like, he's Mr. New York. And the X-Men usually live in like Westchester, which is like kind of upstate New York, which means it's like not in, you know, Manhattan, which it's, it's hard to, if you ask people from New York, nobody knows exactly where upstate New York is, but they're like kind of in their own separate place. But in the first movie, the big fight at the end of the movie is like on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So like the first two big superhero movies besides Blade, which I love Blade, but the first big two were one that ended on the Statue of Liberty and then one that ended on like the Brooklyn Bridge, I want to say, or no, it was the, oh gosh, it could have been the Brooklyn Bridge. I want to say it's the Staten Island I hope everybody gets mad at me in, <laughs> in, not in the comments, but on Twitter. It's the Roosevelt Island Bridge, I think, because that's the cable car that Green Goblin steals. But yeah, there's lots of like, I feel like there is definitely some familiarity there in that it's not just that all of the superheroes are from where I grew up, but all of the ones that were really popular in that first wave of movies post, like, they say the first wave of movies was like, you know, Superman in 1970. 
eight or nine or whatever, right up until Batman and Robin that killed it in 97. So like after that, it was like X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four also live in New York City. Daredevil lives in New York City. Like they really were cranking out all of the New York ones. It took a while for Batman Begins to come up. And that was like the other, like that's your DC one. But Gotham City is also kind of New York. And also canonically in the comics is technically in New Jersey. It's an island off the coast of like, I don't know, Delaware, but it's in the state of New Jersey. So I think it did. I think there's like a part of it where, I think a part of comics and one of the things that they do a lot better these days, although, you know, they've always struggled with it, is like making comics where you can kind of look at yourself and see yourself in the shoes of Peter Parker, the most like, generic looking average kid in history who (laughs) gets bit by a spider and then gets all the spider power. So like, I think part of it definitely had to do with being around New York city and seeing like, you know, the bridge or like even there's even like smaller things like little, I wouldn't even say like monuments. That's not what they are, but like landmarks that people that would only really recognize from either being in New York or, just movies, but they're not like the ones that you'd see on. I once had like a good example. I think it's called the Lexington Building. I think that's the building. I may be way off about this, but that might be the building where the Green Goblin lives in the first movie. And if you've been around New York, you see it and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's a real place. Or like the Daily Bugle, I want to say, is the Flatiron Building in the movies. So yeah, it definitely helps. And I think that I wish the newer Spider Man felt like more of a New York thing. Obviously, he just went on a vacation to all kinds of other countries and space and stuff. But even in the first movie, I feel like the New Yorkiness of it, he didn't really ride the subway as much, although he basically rode the above ground subway. The first Spider-Man movie was full of like New Yorkers that were, you know, yelling about how Spider-Man sucks and or they were throwing tire irons at the Green Goblin. And I don't know, it just, they sound like the kind of people that I grew up with. And I think that also helped a lot subconsciously. It's a weird, I was just going to say, it's strange. Because even though that that never has changed either, like all of the movies, all of the Marvel ones are either set in New York or they're like around New York or they're in LA because like Ant-Man lives there. If he doesn't live in LA, actually lives in San Francisco. But Iron Man lives in Malibu or lived. But all the DC ones all live in like pastiche, you know, Gotham City or Metropolis, but those are also kind of New York. And especially in the Dark Knight movies, Christopher Nolan just started photograph. Like it stopped looking like a new city that existed on its own and just kind of looked like New York as well. So yeah, New York is like the default. It's really strange. I never thought about that before. (laughs) Really? Imagine how that feels from the eyes of a foreigner who grows up on superhero movies, always like thinking of New York almost as a fictional city. Yeah, it's and it's so strange because right now I live in Philadelphia and Philadelphia is in a weird spot because I remember it was, I can't remember what the third one was, but there was one time, I guess in like 2018 it would have been, I was in a movie theater and three trailers for three movies came on. It was Creed 2, I think, Glass and Shazam. And all of those movies took place in Philadelphia. And if you're from Philadelphia or like spend time there, you kind of maybe would recognize some streets or some 
you know, like the SEPTA train that Billy gets on, you're like, oh yeah, that's what the logo's like. Oh, it's in Philadelphia. But I do feel like if you watch those movies and didn't pay a ton of attention, you'd probably just assume they take place in New York because it's like a city with a subway and it's Shazam. Why wouldn't he also live in the city that all the rest of these guys live in? Which actually brings me to an interesting point that I wanted to question you on, which is that one of the first things you mentioned is the original Spider-Man movies. So were those a big influence on you growing up? Oh, for sure. I think the X-Men movies were probably more of an influence on me. Really? Oh yeah, I love the X-Men. I think there's a lot of people, I've t- I've talked to a lot of people who like are really into comics and... A lot of them, like a lot of people have their favorite, you know, character. And a lot of the times it's some someone from Batman. There's a lot of people who have like a specific Robin that's their favorite character in all of comics. Like Dick Grayson's very popular. I also know a lot of people that love Tim Drake, who is the third Robin. There's also, so there's that. Or there's a lot of Spider-Man fans who are just like huge fans of Spider-Man. And Spider-Man's great. But then I feel like there's also a lot of people like me and probably like not to speak for Patrick but definitely I mean definitely who watched the X-Men cartoon growing up and that was like their first real introduction to like superheroes and also just like cuz you look at the a- Spider-Man and Batman they're a guy who like puts on an outfit and he has that job and he goes to work and then sometimes you know a big lizard starts terrorizing the city and puts on his costume and goes and fights him. But like the X-Men are like a whole school full of people with all kinds of weird powers. And some of them are aliens and some of them are magic. And sometimes they go to space. And I, one of the things I loved about the cartoon that they made in the nineties was that like it would, they went in on all of it. Like they, it wasn't like another show, which was the X-Men evolution cartoon, which I also loved, but they really stripped it back and went, all right, let's take, you know, they're, they're all at a high school and they're all kind of normal, but they're all a little weird. But like, I feel like if you started with X-Men and that was your first real introduction to superheroes and you really dug that, then it's like Spider-Man seems kind of quaint almost. <laughs> and a lot of those characters do. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's exciting that he's Superman, but they have four characters on the X-Men that might as well be Superman. And they have the same problems as him. And also they have cooler powers or whatever. And also they're like the civil rights allegory, which is interesting. But I always say my favorite thing about the X-Men growing up was like when I was like real young, we would like go to the beach, all the kids of my Boy Scouts, and then we'd play X-Men, which maybe would run around and, you know, yell their like catchphrases at each other. And I remember as the shortest guy in the group, always loving Wolverine. Because in the comics and in the cartoons, he's a five, three, kind of like angry little Canadian guy. <laughs> and there was something about that that I was, I was like, yeah, I totally, like I love the idea that I'm taller than him. And in, they made the movies and they cast the tallest actor in the crew to play Wolverine, which is a choice. And I love Hugh Jackman, but I would love a nice short Wolverine because I think it really, you could really feel that short anger coming off of him, always having to look up to Cyclops and like feel like he's getting looked down on. He's just, yeah, he's supposed to be at the end of his rope constantly. So like, I'm hoping that Daniel Radcliffe is just the right, he's perfect. He's the right <laughs> age, he looks right, and he's also small. 
So I would love to see someone like him take up Wolverine when they when they inevitably hashtag it. make Wolverine short again. Honestly, it's it's something I feel like I've brought it up in at least one of my videos, and I will get lots of comments that are like, "Yeah, absolutely." I always wanted to see this in because all the actors are scared of being short. You know, like allegedly Tom Cruise is shorter than he kind of pretends to be, and wears lifts in his shoes or whatever. Allegedly, which is fine. But I do like, you know, like Jon Snow, I'm pretty sure he's pretty, he's not too tall. He's like a five, 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 six. I like that representation out there. It's a weird, it's a weird specific thing, but it's like when you grow up with Wolverine as your favorite guy, and then they cast the tallest man <laughs> in the in the whole movie. It's a, it's a little weird. Wow, that that was that was an interesting tangent. I've never have never thought out the thought about that. Yeah. All that to say, the X-Men movies, I think, influenced me a little bit more just because. You watch them both next to each other. And I think there's great stuff about the, the original Spider-Man movies, but I think the original X-Men movies felt like they were in another league of just like, like weirdness where you had all of these characters. Because when you meet the X-Men in the first X-Men movie, there's no explanation. Not there's no explanation for what they are, but you don't see the first time Wolverine gets his powers. You don't see anything really about like Cyclops or Storm. You mostly see the story through Rogue's eyes, but like it feels like this big lived-in world where like they have been having these fights forever and there's just this guy who's like a toad and he can jump real high and like spit out goo. But there's no point where everybody sits down and goes like, okay, so here's what we're dealing with. We got to deal with Toad. This is what his thing is. So I, I don't know. I like the kind of on the fly nature of the of the X-Men movies where they didn't feel like they were holding your hand. It felt like just like it just is. Yeah. It was very charming. How old were you when those God. movies came out? So so I think the first X-Men movie came out in 2000. It must have because it must have come out before 9/11. There's no way that they would make a movie where the bad guy takes the head off the Statue of Liberty after cuz they they also I say Spider-Man came out in 2002. And there was a whole bit with where he like put a web in the middle of the Twin Towers and caught a helicopter and they had to take it out. But like there's like trailers you can watch. So X-Men must have been pre-that. So I would say 2000. So then it was like 11, 11 or 10 or 11. And then the cartoon, I want to say, premiered in 93 or 94. So it's probably like five when I watched that. So you pretty much grew up on the X-Men. Yeah. And like they always had a show. The X-Men were good. In, I mean, in a way, the Spider-Man and Batman and those guys were also good. And like, you you start with X-Men, the show, and then you start with the movies. And then the movies got so popular, the networks were like, let's make another X-Men show. And we'll set it in high school. And they were all probably the same age as I was. So I also like that. And then, you know, they kept putting that out in video games. Like for a while, it's funny. Marvel, you know, sold the rights to Spider-Man to Sony and it sold the rights to the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Daredevil, and a couple others to Fox. And then I think Universal got the Hulk. But all the rest of them, they could not sell. No one wanted Iron Man. No one wanted Captain America. And like up until even like past 2008, but like the majority of the cartoons and the focus of the video games was on the X-Men and Spider-Man because those were the big money makers. So as you grew up on the X-Men, mm-hmm. And and I can see how that was sort of the formative thing for you. When it was time, I, I'm interested in two things. 
One, how mm-hmm. this affected your decisions when it was time to move beyond school and maybe go to university. I have no idea if you did. Mm. And how early in your life did the other side of this story, which is YouTube content or YouTube in general, started being a thing, especially as a consumer of content? Like, when did you start watching YouTube actively? That's a great question because I don't know. I guess I watched. What's like? I'm trying to think of the first big YouTube video that I can remember that was like a produced, not like a viral video, but a series. Because I guess when I was in high school, which would have been 2005 or six, was when like, or even maybe earlier than that, maybe like 2004 was when they had, um, was it like Newgrounds or like all those flash videos that would pop up. So that's not exactly the same kind of thing. I feel like I was, I was on YouTube, like I was watching YouTube videos since the beginning of YouTube, it's gotta be. Cause I would have been, when did YouTube start? It's like what? 12, 13 years old? Yeah. Yeah. So I would have been like, I don't know, 17, 18 maybe. That's pretty like, I'm sure I was right at the demo of people that were really into that. I think there there was a lot of content that came out as the early YouTube stuff that I feel like was for like children, like younger than me, like stuff like Fred. I don't know what really exactly what that is, but it was some sort of thing and they made a movie of it and it was a a kid with a high-pitched voice. But like, so I, I missed that. But I definitely started seeing, like I watched lots of YouTube like reviewers and critics. I remember I one of the things I did in high school, so the let's see, third X-Men movie comes out in 2006. Yeah, zero, three. Yeah, 2006, maybe 2005. I can't remember. One of the things I would do, this, so this wasn't like on YouTube, but I would like cut together music videos of and like maybe a minute long of like some song by like Evanescence or whatever with like footage of the X-Men movie at like almost like a little montage for me. They you made like anime music videos like that generation of YouTube. Oh God, that's a lost time. I know and I never <laughs> I don't know where they are. I would love to watch them again. I, I have like some memory of what they looked like and like shots I used, but I cannot for the life of me remember what the songs were. But it was probably that like, you know, slightly edgy alternative rock that was actually not that edgy. And I'm sure quite silly. But how old were you again? So that I would have been, okay. So that would have been 2000, probably like my sophomore, junior year of high school. So like 16, 17. God, the perfect age to be making that sort of content. Yeah. Oh my God. And then my other, my, school that I went to, my high school was pretty fun. It was like, I don't know what they're called. I don't even know what they're called outside of New Jersey, but in Jersey we call magnet schools. And it's, I think like kind of like what charter schools are in other parts of the States where it's a school that you have to test into and, and like your focus is you have a specific thing. It's almost like a, like a mini college, but it's like free and the state does it. I went to one where there was like nobody there. It was my graduating class was like 90 kids for high school, which is awesome. And we were the second class in. So we had the whole building. And for a while, there were only like half of the entire, you know, amount of kids that would ever be there were there. So it was, it was great. They gave us freedom to do whatever we wanted. We would do projects for classes that were incredibly open-ended to the point where 
our teacher, I want to say his name is Mr. Lee, would say like, okay, so we just finished reading all the, you know, like Beowulf and some of the other old historical epic poems and stuff. Make a something about that. So it can be an essay, it can be a poem, a diorama, you can paint a picture, whatever. And me and my friend, Andrew, and a couple other friends over the course of like time, because we would do different projects, but we would do like, we, we wrote two rap songs about Beowulf that we filmed music videos for. And oh so like those, yeah, it was great. It was a, one of them was Jesus Walks, but, and then one of them was about, oh gosh, oh, Stacy's Mom, which was popular at the time. Do you ever remember that yeah. song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did Grendel's mom and we like, it was, it was quality, but yeah. So I'd been producing videos for a while and because my high school was pretty like chill about a lot of projects and stuff, you could kind of use them to do whatever you wanted to do. But I never put any of that online or if I did, I put it on like, you know, Google videos back when that was a thing before they had YouTube and now it's gone, which is a shame because. Uh, it was probably it would probably be really funny. Like if I ever went on, like if I ever became insanely famous and went on the Tonight Show, that would be the thing that they drudge up to embarrass me <laughs> and be like, "You found this? You look at you wearing a tin foil mask of Gilgamesh or whatever." But then I feel like for college, so first, so that's the second part of the question. I was always consuming YouTube content. And I was always making videos. I think that was always what I wanted to do, just because like. When I was young, I was an actor on like Sesame Street, stuff like that. And like, so when I was like five to when I was eight, and I always wanted to be, not always wanted to be, but I was always like pretty interested in writing movies or something, something along those lines, because I was like part of that ecosystem, which is why it's convenient that I live next to New York is because that's where they film all that stuff. So I always was like trying to figure out ways to make making videos part of my part of like my engineering class or whatever. I think I could have. I I don't know if it would have worked, but I think I could have uploaded them to YouTube and been like anybody like these and I might, I don't know. I feel like it may have been the most embarrassing thing ever and it would have destroyed my life. <laughs> I would have been on like Tosh.0, you know, doing a web redemption with Kanye West or whatever. Or it would have been amazing, and I would make parody songs now because of how successful that was. So either way, not great. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the YouTubers I used to cons- like. Who are like the early YouTubers in the video essay, or leave it like whatever came before that space? Because I watched, I watched so much of it. it. It's a good question because. At least in terms of talking about movies and so on, people, at, at least in my circles, tend to mention stuff like the Nostalgia Critic, which a lot of people have mixed feelings in the present. That's what I hear. I only hear people complaining about him. And then I watched, I'll watch a video because I think, is his name Doug? Is that a person named Doug? Yeah. Yeah. So I watched a video by a guy named Ralph Seppe or Ralph the Movie Maker or whatever about some weird game show that the Nostalgia Critic made. And I remember being like, I don't know what the appeal of this guy is. And I know it's not this, but I wonder what it was. Like, what was the first thing he did that people really latched onto? I do remember watching, do you remember, and it probably seems like it's, if they've never met, that would shock me. 
you remember the angry video game nerd? He's the angry video game nerd. That was my second example because I think I watched those videos as a kid. Right. Not like religiously, but I do remember him playing a video, a video game where it was like Bible Quest or something. Yeah. And he'd like it was like you, you were Noah and you had to pick up all the animals and take them to the ark or something. I do remember that, watching that and being like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I also used to love when I was in college, the best friends, Matt and Pat. It got kind of complicated because it used to be there was two best friends play and they would just play games or whatever. And then they made it three best friends. They added a guy, Wooly. And then sometimes they had you know, super best friends videos and that would be with all of them. And then a couple of them would do other things. And then I think somebody left and I know recently, I think Matt and Pat split up. I think Matt is the main one now. Matt and Wooly do the channel. I don't know. It's it's a lot to keep track but of. But you watched them back in the day. Oh yeah. I, I watched all that stuff. There's videos, games that I've never played and have no interest in playing, but I know exclusively through like watching those guys play like heavy rain or something. But I also, I don't know, every so often I'll have like those little moments where I feel like I half almost made it. And one of them was they mentioned the one marvelous scene thing on their podcast. Ooh. And I was like, oh my God, Matt knows I exist. But yeah, that those those were probably one of the first ones that I watched and was like watching for the personality and I think those were videos that I would show to people too and be like, you're probably going to like watch these guys play this, you know, video game where the president of America has a big giant mech suit. <laughs> and I felt, do you ever seen him play that? I haven't, but I know exactly what game you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Metal Wolf Chaos. It's a disaster, but uh, uh, it's pretty funny. And their video, that's my favorite video of theirs besides their Heavy Rain series, which I also love. And I think I can go back to and, and still enjoy. I think it's easy for, not easy for them, but I believe they're Canadian. So it's like extra fun to watch them make fun of our ridiculous, like this ridiculous, like American propaganda through the lens of this Japanese game company. Like, I don't think that game was ever released in America either. It wasn't uh, until very recently. Yes. And I... Downloaded it and started playing it and was like, eh, this, is, this isn't really... I've seen all of the things he's going to say. The gameplay's not that great. I could skip it. But uh, I had to try. I, I do wonder, though. Like This is a lot of video game-related YouTubers. Yeah. I, I, at what point all this consumption turned into a desire to make something of your own? That's... So I think... I think I always wanted to make videos or like if it seemed like a viable thing that I could do, even like as a hobby, I would have done it from the beginning or like sometime in college. But I had other hobbies that were similar and like that used all the same muscles as writing and producing YouTube videos where like I would make videos with friends for like, I was part of a service fraternity, which is basically like a 4-H club or like it was created by the Boy Scouts. So it's like not really a fraternity fraternity. We didn't have a house or, and we weren't allowed to drink. It was, it was great. I liked it. They had, they invented a person in the meeting, like a position that you could be because we had these hundred person meetings that took way too long where you would just write like a little five minute 
comedy sketch and do it in the meeting. And I was the first person to do it. And I was what? awesome. It was so weird. Like I would do bits that like Colbert would do or like Conan O'Brien used to have a bit. I don't know if he still has it. I mean, probably not. I don't even know what he's up to now. But there was a bit where he would like take two celebrities. So it'd be like Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston are dating. Let's look at what their baby would look like. And they'd use really crappy Photoshop to take his eyes and put them on her face. And it would be hilarious. And like I did that with the people in the service attorney that were dating and it was just because I think I knew that I could do some, I could use the skills I had acquired in college as working like on a graphic design video editing degree to get attention. And I think if I didn't have that and I didn't have sketch comedy, which is the other thing that I did in college, like I wrote and performed with a sketch group. If I didn't have both of those things, I probably would have been like, I should just like make sketches for the internet specifically. But I think like because those took up all my time, I hadn't done that. But in my senior year, my thesis was about movie trailers and like movie trailer production. Ooh. And kind of the processes and the history of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't remember too much about the thesis. As an art form, movie trailers are very strange. It used to I love watching old like have you ever seen the trailer for like Star Wars? Or like the first one. Like the the, the first yeah. one. Yeah, it's, it's different to what I expected. It's bizarre. It's just like a guy, sometimes it's, I want to say Harrison Ford narrated one of them, but I think he narrated one of the Empire Strikes Back ones. But like, it's just a guy being like, Luke and Leia will go to space and they'll fight the villainous Darth Vader and then they'll blow up the Death Star at the end. Come see Star Wars. Like, it was just full narration explaining the movie to you. And it was, that was just like what the people wanted. I think when I was in college was, there was a huge shift away from voiceover. Most people blame Inception on like the use of these gigantic audio cues in the trailers. That was happening before that though. It was, it definitely was. But after Inception, I do think it like standardizing, like a, a lot of the thinking coalesced to this very, it was almost like a, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Like, what's the word? Like a flashpoint or something like that. Culturally, where all the movie studios were like, they love this Inception trailer. Let's just make a bazillion of those. Because even like the Avengers trailer, so that was a movie that came out in 2012, had like alternative rock song in the background of for the trailer. And it just like, it feels kind of night and day to what, you know, like Age of Ultron or, or something like that would be. But either way, so I was doing those things. And then for my, for my thesis, I did a project where I edited together what would be like modern trailers for movies and stuff like that, like Jaws and Star Wars and uh, was the other one? Apocalypse Now, along with the thesis. And the guy that I was working with uh, on the thesis, like the professor who knew I was like looking into trailers was like, oh, you should check out this video I just saw online, it's not like what you're ta- doing, but it's like kind of like that. And it was the first Honest Trailers video. Ooh. Happened like right around when I was doing this. And also the first CinemaSins video popped up around the same time. This movie exists. Child actor looks nothing like his older counterpart. Which, completely different animal. But I do think seeing the Honest Trailers video and like 
writing sketch comedy and performing these weird little segments for my service fraternity, I was like, oh, I could have made this for sure. Like they did a great job. And like, but the production part of it, I could have edited the video, probably wouldn't have been as funny, but like, this is something I probably could have done. And I think that helped me kind of go like, oh, if I make a channel and just like mess around on it and this anything works, then that's that's something that like can be like a side project. I never thought it would be anything, you know, anything legit. Kind of like how I did like sketch comedy for fun and I thought it would just be a hobby. But yeah. You thought it was going to be a hobby, but mm-hmm. you had to have some idea of where to get started. So what was the idea? So there's all the those guys like Nerdwriter and Every frame of painting. Every frame of painting. Yeah. yeah. And those are the guys that like did video essays and then quit kind of abruptly. Mm-hmm. And th- they were like the kings or something. I remember being like those guys. That's like, that's the top dog in the video essay space. But so I definitely watched a lot of those videos and other videos by people like Patrick and Lindsay Ellis and like, you know, a lot of the other creators that talked about media. And I think what ended up happening, it all came from, I had a friend who I was arguing with at the time about Spider-Man in Civil War. And he was like, I didn't like that movie. And it's probably because mostly of Spider-Man. I didn't think he worked in it. And I think you were in the movie or something. He didn't like, not like Spider-Man. And I wanted to be like, that may be true, but imagine if it wasn't exactly like that, would this Spider-Man introduction have worked for you? And like that might have made the movie even better. And then that's when I made the, f- I don't think it was my first video on the channel, but it was definitely the first one that I like thought up and, and came up with was the first like, what if Spider-Man had showed up differently in, in Civil War? And I think eventually I just had enough of that same conversation with people about like, this is what he could have done. And this is what dialogue could have been that I had had it with everyone in my life and they were tired of hearing it. (laughs) So I was like, this is probably the end of this, or I could put it on the internet and see if everyone agrees. And I think that's the third video technically on the channel, but I'd say it's the first one. That was the genesis of what I started doing with you know film-ish video essays. I want to say there's like there's like some other guys like Bob Chipman, Movie Bob, like he has pretty good like video essays that weren't that were just kind of his thoughts about pitching a Fantastic Four movie or something. So like there were videos like that that I always liked and I think those were those helped be kind of the blueprint for the channel. Interesting. Okay, so how you started uploading those, but how long did it take for them to gain any traction? I think it was, let me check. I think so. Civil War comes out in 2016. I think I made the video that summer, or I guess not that summer, but like like later in that year, so maybe like August or or September, because I used the movie, like it's footage from the movie. So I had to wait until the movie was released. That's probably why that one came second. So I made those, I want to say, in 2017. That was when 
Thor Ragnarok came out. And when Thor Ragnarok, right around when that was released, they also put out the first trailer for Infinity War. And I remember that was like a huge deal online. And I, so, so I've been making videos on my channel for about a year. I made a video that I think is probably, if it's not my most like viewed, it's maybe my second most viewed. That's just like about the villain from Thor Ragnarok, uh, Hela, played by Kate Blanchett, who's like a chandelier made of daggers and, and stuff. And like how she's kind of like her comic counterpart, but not really like it. And I released that video. And I remember this because this, this really, there by the grace of God go I. I released the video. Someone was like, hey, you're actually wrong about this character. It's based on this other character, not the one you said. And I took the video down, fixed it, and re-released it. And then I want to say the next day, the Infinity War trailer came out. And I think the traffic and like search engine and stuff like pointed a lot of the people that watched that video to my Hella video. And I would say that's kind of when things changed. It wasn't, it was pretty steady after that, but like it wasn't. It was right around when the Avengers Infinity War trailer dropped. So not a super long time, but yeah, I, I knew I had a feeling either I would come up with the most brilliant idea ever or <laughs> something would be very related to something. I would just happen to make a video that would become very relevant because of some other movie Marvel was making. And then that would like drag my, like that would kind of like Jaws, like drag the boat behind it and that second one is what happened for sure. Fascinating. So having passed some time experimenting with this and doing this sort of format, what are some lessons that you have learned that you wish you could go back in time and tell yourself a few years ago? Hmm. I think if I could give myself one really simple lesson, like something I could write on a piece of paper, I would just give myself a couple of tips on audio editing just to like make sound sound better. <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of YouTubers say this, but especially guys who are like aren't on camera when like you don't have to worry. And I wasn't in the beginning. You don't have to worry about, you know, any of the complicated camera stuff. Like, and I say, I say this to YouTubers now, like it's so easy to just do a couple of things in your room. And then a couple of things on audacity, whatever you record on to make your sound sound so much better. And that, that that's the thing that I think I go back a lot now and like just it's it's not hard to listen to the videos because I, I still think they're they, you know it all works but I do find myself being like I wish I didn't I wish I had figured that out earlier all my expertise was on like video editing and video writing and all the production stuff but I had no audio background I guess I don't know what what advice would I give myself I think I would say. It's such an interesting question because, like, I feel like a lot of the things that I've learned have been edited or like kind of worked into the repertoire over time. In the sense that, like, a lot of the changes are so gradual that I feel like I don't notice that many of them. I think one of the things that I probably would have told myself a while back is like to when I had like an idea or like something interesting to say to like try to reach out to other YouTubers and ask them questions, people that I like really you know, like admired and had interesting questions to ask. Like, I feel like everybody has 
the, the community in general is pretty supportive. And also I feel like we're all equally confused about a lot of the same things because YouTube is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like doing it on your own and being like in, in a bubble makes it really tricky. And beyond that, God, I really don't know. I used to edit my videos to make them shorter by like removing gaps in sound because I had seen, you know, like Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation. <laughs> That's a bit of an extreme reference I, to use. Oh, lo- for I editing. love those videos. And like, I think I, you know, there's like parts of them that don't hold up quite as well as other parts, but like, I do like a lot of the things he has to say and stuff. He's one of those guys that I'm always like, I wonder what he's thinking about this, this video game, like Resident Evil or whatever when it comes out. But I think his videos are really fast and I was like, I should do it like that because you'll never lose anyone's attention. There's, there must be a reason why he's successful doing that. And I think the truth of it is probably I could have chilled out and like been a little more relaxed and conversational in the videos because A, YouTube seems to reward at the time like 10 minute long videos, but B, like it's just that tone with your audience is something that it's really hard to like, not like reinvent, but like re-examine and go like, okay, instead of talking real fast, we're going to try to be a little bit more personal and and normal. And I think I would have probably made that change immediately. So yeah, I guess those three. Otherwise, I don't know, make better thumbnails, but that's something that's super like... (laughs) At the time, I thought it. I thought my my like super old thumbnails. I was like, I'm not a very good Photoshopper, so this is probably good enough. So like, learning stuff about that actually would have been pretty handy, or contracting that out because it doesn't cost that much money. Even like when I wasn't doing it like professionally, my time was probably better spent doing other things. And I have lots of friends too that do graphic design that I should have reached out to and been like ask them for help because I have yeah a huge network of that from going to a college that does graphic design and you know there's lots of video editors and stuff but there's also yeah just a lot of people that could help out so asking for help would definitely be one of the things right okay that was fantastic thank yeah. you uh, I think I got everything from the story that I need cool so thank you thank you very much for your time and for sharing your story oh absolutely this is a lot of fun I can't wait to hear it and go like I feel like I listen to all the podcasts I'm on just because it's fun. And I agree with myself whenever I say those the things that I say in the podcast when I'm listening. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I thought too. I even do it with my own podcast where I'll listen to it and someone will say something and my first thought will be like, actually, I thought that part of the movie was, it dragged. And then I, on the podcast, will step in and be like, actually, I thought it dragged. And I'll be like, he's pretty smart. <laughs> that guy knows what he's talking about. So... It's always nice to listen to yourself talk in a conversation. Um, That's amazing. After the fact. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs>